Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. I've been back from my family visit to Maine for a couple of weeks now, but I haven't been out birding all that much. I'm retired now. I'm a family doctor and don't work very much. But last week, I was asked to help out while my old office started uh, implements a new electronic medical record, and everyone's sort of slow with their documentation of visits using that. So I worked four out of the five days last week. And, you know, I was kind of in the migration time here, the start of fall migration. I was really hoping I wouldn't miss too much last week while I couldn't chase things, and it worked out pretty well. The only really hot birds that showed up were sharp-tailed sandpiper in eastern Washington that I didn't chase, and uh, an eastern wood peewee, which is a great bird, would be a state bird for me in Washington, but it was really only heard a little bit for a day or so in Jefferson County, and I don't think I would have gotten to that even if I wasn't working. So I don't feel too bad about missing things, missing out on fun while I work for a little bit. Uh, but I did make time on the day I didn't work last week to talk to Jason Vassalo. Jason is doing a big year. He's a local Seattle ace birder doing a big year in the ABA area this year. On this episode, we talk about a number of things that bring back fond memories of previous episodes of the Bird Bander podcast. Will Brooks was my guest in one of my earliest episodes, back when I was doing a lot of these recordings in person in my condo in Tacoma, and Will and I sat down and talked, and that was on episode 19, if you like, to check it out. But Will is having a really big year here in Washington. At the time of the recording, he has the eBird Washington Top uh, eBird list with 243 species so far, which is a really big number for Washington for a full year, for about, about at this time of year. Put this in perspective, the top two eBird lists for all of 2020 were 351 and 352, so he's already well on the way to that. The top all-time Washington Big Year was in 2012 by Sherry and Arden Hagen, who had 370 species in a remarkable El Nino year when they were really going after it. And Will is a superbly talented birder, uh, and he's going to make a great year of it this year, although I don't think he's putting in the kind of effort it would take to break the all-time record. He he might do it. He's that good. Uh, anyway, Marv Brees uh, uh, on prior to Sherry and Arden's big year, had 359 as the record prior to that. So Will might have those numbers in his sights. I've had a number of big year birders on the episodes. Uh, Dorian Anderson, in his Biking for the Birds big year in 2014, put up a great blog post. I think he might be working on a book for that. I haven't seen it out yet. Uh, but he was my episode on episode number five. Uh, it was really fun. Check that one out. David and Tammy McQuaid uh, were on episode 27, and they have been putting up a, uh, lower 48 big years every year for six or seven years now. They are just out there every single year, just crushing it. Christian Hagenlocker was my uh, guest uh, on episodes number four and 29, and uh, Christian did a big year in 2016. That was the epic ABA big year where uh, Christian and three other top birders were out doing ABA big years, and the records fell all over the place. All of them broke the previous ABA records. So it was a fabulous year, and we got to talk about that with Christian on, on episode number four. But every big year effort is different. And I really respect and appreciate birders who do a big year because it is a huge undertaking no matter where you do it. Even a county big year can really become a big effort. Uh, a lot of us in Pierce County here, you know, have, you know, enjoy getting out and seeing as many birds as we can in the county each year and it's kind of a big year it's not really an all-out effort for most of us each year but we have a friendly competition and, and have a lot of fun with that uh, 
Other things we talk about are this episode of Nia Bay. Uh, I sort of describe where Nia Bay is on the episode, but it's in the far northwest corner of the Olympic Peninsula. And the Macaw tribe has closed their reservation to non-residents during the COVID pandemic. And that, that makes uh, this, you know, probably the best, almost certainly the best rear bird finding spot in Washington off limits for uh, last year and this year, especially in the fall when it's really a, a place where vagrants uh, seem to accumulate or get found anyway. Also, as Nia Bay stories, you can hear Nia Bay stories from Brad Wagner on episode number 34 and Ryan Merrill on 53. They are both members of the Washington Bird Records Committee. And after the October uh, meeting for the Bird Records Committee, the whole group tends to congregate at Nia Bay and go birding, and they always pull some great birds out of there during that time, but not last year and not this year. As I mentioned, I just got back from visiting my brother in Maine. I didn't get a lot of birding done there, but I did get to show my girlfriend Marion, who's really a beginning birder, some really cool birds. We saw Nelson sparrows singing and perching up at the salt marsh behind Reed State Park. We got rose-breasted grosbeaks and eastern bluebirds at the Quarry Trail Ski Park in Waterville. Of course, common loons were serenading us every night on McGraw Pond in Oakland, Maine, when my brother has his camp and we got to stay. Well, enough of this introduction. I think you'll really enjoy hearing about Jason Vassallo's ABA Big Year, his birding story, and just some stories with Jason as much as you did when I got to talk with him on this episode. Help me wait. Welcome Jason Vassallo to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 109. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I've been hoping to get a hold of you. I know uh, Will Brooks is a friend of mine here in, in Tacoma, actually took Tacoma and Pierce County by storm when he moved up here four or five years ago to go to college. And I had heard from him that you guys uh, sort of traded hometowns. Uh, you're from this general area and went to college down where he came from and he came up here. So tell me about that relationship. Yeah, so I've always been one to try to connect with other birders my age since there's not a whole lot of them, but um uh, I so I went to school at Santa Clara University, and I'm from Seattle. And Will is from Palo Alto, which is about 25 minutes away from where I went to college, and he went to UPS, which is like 45 minutes away from Seattle. And uh, I think I don't exactly remember how it started, but I, I believe I saw his name all over Ebert around the area in Santa Clara County, and, and then all of a sudden I saw his name up at home, and I was like, oh, looks like <laughs> this guy's birding in Washington, and then I. I think I checked his eBird profile or something and saw he went to UPS. So I contacted him and uh, we started birding together when we had mismatching school schedules, which happened to be quite a lot. Um, so when he was back at home in California and I was still at school down there, we'd go birding in California and uh, vice versa when he was still in Washington and I would was back home in Washington. And then luckily he's decided to stay in Washington, at least for the meantime, and we're still birding together. So yeah, he's putting yeah. up a really nice Washington big year while you put up a really nice ABA big year. So you guys are both <laughs> yeah. going for it. Yep, cool. yep. Tell me about Santa Clara. Uh, what's that campus like? I, I really hadn't birded the UPS campus very much, unfortunately, because it's a nice little campus uh, until Will started leading those uh, twice a week walks there. One of a couple of those. Wow, this is a nice place. What's the Santa Clara campus like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty small. It's nothing too exciting for birds. Um, it's pretty manicured. So, you know, there's a lot of like trimmed hedges and palm trees and stuff, but uh, it was a pretty fun place to bird as well. I, especially, you know, my first year down there, I didn't have a car or anything and it was kind of the main place I could go birding frequently. And 
so I started getting into keeping a uh, campus lists and I know mm-hmm. Will was similar at UPS Yeah, and uh, we would both exchange cool birds. We'd find at, at campuses. <laughs> Very cool. I mentioned your big year. You're doing an ABA big year this year. Tell yep. me about that. How did, how did you, uh, I mean, that's a big undertaking. I mean, depending, I mean, everybody does it at a different level. You're doing it at a pretty aggressive level. Tell me how'd you decide to do that and how'd you make it happen? Yeah. So I've been birding for like 15 years or so. And there's always all these birds and all these places I've always heard about. And a lot of them I've always wanted to see. And so something like a big year was always on my mind as something I've dreamed of doing um, and wanted to do as soon as I possibly could. And when I graduated, so I graduated college in 2020, which wasn't a great time to hop into the job market or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, looking at the prospects of the job market and everything and kind of just decided 2021 might be the year to go for it. Um, and so I just decided my parents were on board luckily and decided to go for it starting January 1st and been going strong now in August. <laughs> I've been following you on Instagram, a nice start mm-hmm. to the year with the snowy aisle downtown. Yep. That was about a half a mile from my house. So, <laughs> Oh, you live right in the queen Anne area. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, that was such an obliging bird. Sat around for weeks and weeks on the rooftops there. Absolutely. Did anyone ever decide, was that bird eating squirrels? Or was it going out to get ducks in Union Bay? Or what was it doing? I believe it was eating mostly rabbits in the neighborhood. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. There's a lot of uh, Eastern cottontails running around all these neighborhoods. They're they're ravishing my uh, little vegetable garden we put in here this summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you started here in January. Kind of walk me through what, how, what, what was your strategy? How's the year been going? Yeah. So I can kind of give a brief recap of where I've been to and what I've done. Um, I guess at the start of the year, uh, considering the pandemic was still going strong and whatnot, I kind of realized that flights were not as smart of an idea. And um, so I decided to really go for some huge road trips and that was kind of the plan for getting to do what I always wanted to do which was see all these national parks and uh, have the extra ability to explore while also going to see all these birds so in the start of the year I was at home Um, I did one really quick flight down to southeast Arizona with my dad uh, just a few days down there to get some sun and see a few rarities and then I did one like three week long road trip from starting in Seattle and I went down the coast uh, all the way down to Mexico from through California. So Mm -hmm. got to see a lot of places that I was familiar with already and lots of birds I've already seen before, but um, got a lot of states birds for California and um, and all those places are gorgeous in California. So no, no problem going back there. Um, and then I did one quick trip with my dad again to Saxon Bog in February. Um, and then I was mainly at home for all of March. And then starting at the end of March is really when I took off on the road. Uh, and I did one two month long road trip starting in Seattle, going all the way down to South Texas, to Florida Keys, mm. uh, back through to Southeast Arizona and back home from there. And then uh, was back very briefly before taking a flight up to Alaska and spending a week in Alaska. Very nice. And once again, back home again briefly, 
uh, before driving all the way to Maine from Seattle through the north part of the country. And I hung out uh, in the East Coast with some family for a couple of weeks before then driving through the middle of the country and back home and just getting back a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, now I'm hanging out at home. <laughs> Very cool. I'm going to yeah. talk about a couple of those things. You have, do you have yeah. family in Maine? No, actually, my grandma lives uh, in Connecticut, right on right on the Long Island Sound. Oh, okay. Yeah, I grew I grew up in Maine, so I just got back from a, a week long visit to see my brother in Maine. So I was wondering, oh, where awesome. in where in Maine did you burn? Um, I came so I came through from like northern Vermont and New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and so popped into Maine from there, and then went down just to Rockland, I think it was, to mm-hmm. then go out to Vinyl Haven Vinyl and Haven? take the trip to see the red-billed tropic bird. Um, and that was, that was basically it. And then I went down the coast. Okay. Yeah. We share that tropic bird. Did you have difficulty yeah. finding it or was it right there for you? Yeah, you know, it took a little while and I was thinking that we weren't going to see it. And uh, the, the guy didn't sound like too assuring that we were going to see it. And then all of a sudden it came right in and we got just unbelievable views of it as it flew around the boat for half an hour or so. And Nice. That was, kind of, that was kind of one the, of the highlights of the year. Kind of the same story for me. Two years ago, I, uh, I, uh, my wife died about three years ago, and I went over alone home for the first time in a while, and took my brother and his wife out on that boat to Vinyl Haven, and uh, and we we're out there, and we kind of circled the island, and the the naturalists came out to the boat and visited with us, and all the while we're scouring for this tropical bird. We're right at the spot where it was, and it just wasn't showing, and the the. The guide said, well, it looks like the tropic bird's not going to show up today. We're going to have to take off. And right then I say, no, we're not. It's right out there. <laughs> Just flying in from the other end of the island, came right in and sat behind the boat. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Such a cool looking bird too. It is a great bird. I had seen that once off the coast of California a few years ago, but still it was, this was a much better look. Yeah. Cool. So we share that. Uh, the other uh, thing you I, I saw that you had done uh, is go for the Himalayan snowcock. Did which which trip did you take that? Probably a second trip south, or no? Uh, that was just uh, one of the most recent additions, actually. So that was when I was driving back from the East Coast. Um, oh, okay. Went through the middle of the country. I went through Utah and, and then to the Ruby Mountains, where the snowcocks are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's. That's a, a seriously steep hike up there. That was fun doing it, though. Yeah, absolutely. And waking up before dawn and hiking up there and just a beautiful place as well. So that was that was a great experience. The snowcocks were quite far away. I only saw one of them and it was way, way up there on the hillside, but um, got to watch it for a little while as it was perched up there. And But the yeah. whole experience was great. It is a great experience. When I went down there, uh, some friends of mine and I, we took a, a little ABC birding club here in Tacoma. A group of us went down to see uh, the new crossbills, the Cassius crossbill mm-hmm. in Idaho. And half of us continued on to try for the snowcock. And we, we got there, we got there really early, like, I don't know, three thirty four in the morning, 45 minutes before dark. And we're looking around and we go storming up this trail. And one of the women with us was a little behind her. She says, wait a minute. And uh, we come back and we're headed up the wrong trail. Uh, And and so we spent an hour looking for this trailhead in the dark and could not find it and could not find it and could not find it. It's just starting to get daylight. And finally, we find the trailhead. We go racing up the mountain. (laughs) 
as much as you can race up that mountain uh, and got there a little later than we'd wanted to. And, and Ken Brown, my good friend uh, said, Oh, it's going to have flown down, but now he's scouring the bushes down low. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to see that bird in the bushes down low. So I just put my scope on the ridge and go back and forth and it popped right up on the ridge line. <laughs> we saw it up there. So right. yeah, that was fun. It was, it was a long ways away though. Two miles, I think up to that ridge line or something from where <laughs> you can be by the lake, but a real, another really fun experience. And that was such a beautiful hike on the way down. Did you have, uh-huh. uh, did you have uh sooty grouse and, uh, and uh, crossbills and other stuff on the walk down? It was just a beautiful walk down. When we did. We had a lot of uh, brewer sparrows, which I found pretty interesting because I hmm. tend to think of brewer sparrows as, you know, our lowland sagebrush species, but they had some up in the higher elevation there, which was pretty fascinating. Um, and I remember broad tailed hummingbirds and, mm-hmm. Yeah, some cool stuff. Nice. Yeah. You know, I think brewer sparrows are more of a generalist than we think they are. You know, we always see yeah. them with our sage sparrows and sage thrashers in eastern Washington, and we think they're just sage birds. But I think they're a lot more of a generalist than, than some of the people they associate with here in Washington. Some of the people, some of the birds they associate with. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know some were probably breeding on even the west side of the mountains, just at the very, very top of the county border lines in the in the um cascades this summer so that's pretty fascinating too yeah and we get them at rainier in the fall so mm-hmm. at sunrise so I, I suspect that's post-breeding stuff but still i've always wanted to go to the zach sam bog tell me about that you've been there you went there twice you went there in the winter and you went there in the spring yep absolutely two very very different scenes um so my dad and i went in february which is probably the more popular time that birders go there um, and it's incredibly cold. Uh, I think the lowest we saw was negative 21. So it's <laughs> definitely the coldest weather I've ever been in. Uh, but yeah, the, the birding there is really awesome. Uh, my best way of explaining it to you is probably pretty similar to um, like uh, Okanagan County in the winter mm-hmm. where cold weather and few birds, but the ones you see are very special birds. Um, and uh, there's always a ton of birders there and they're all sharing information. So you, you hear about a spot people have been seeing great gray owls at recently and whatnot and get to go pop over there and try for them. Um, see lots of photographers as well, taking pictures of the owls. Mm-hmm. And then all the feeders have just tons of beautiful birds like pine grosbeaks beaks and saw both species of red pole and boreal chickadee. So really fun stuff. Very nice. And then- yeah. That's a, that's the, a must do thing for me sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in the summertime, it's all these breeding boreal forest species and a lot of which I hadn't seen before or uh, hadn't seen in that plumage, at least. Uh, I think there's probably 15 or 20 species of warblers that breed there, um, including some special ones like Connecticut and golden winged morning Canada as well. And um, other cool stuff would be like yellow-bellied flycatcher. So some some pretty special birds that you don't get to see many very many places in the U.S. at least, and um, lots of singing birds, lots of songs that I was unfamiliar with and not used to. So it was very very fun. Yeah, you should have waited a little bit. Or have you tried that Merlin Bird app for sound identification? 
You know, I've, I've just checked it out once or twice, and it seems pretty strong. It is crazy. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I did not know my Warbler songs on the East Coast that well, because, you know, you go for a week, a year. It's really pretty hard. And I, I didn't bird as a kid. I grew up in the East, but I didn't bird when I was there. And I, I just visited my brother this last week and used that app. And, oh, my goodness, it's quite good. I heard this. <laughs> little chipping noise and it was oh 50 70 yards away but it was pretty loud and i said no i had no idea what it was uh but i put my uh put my phone up and my goodness it was a uh uh an oven bird and i go an oven bird it can tell that and i go over sure as hell it was an oven bird chipping way the heck out. i said my goodness this thing is good yeah i definitely will check it out more often but i also like to learn stuff for myself and i i since i've become quite acquainted with at least Washington vocalizations. I'm pretty quick to learn the stuff that's unique and sure. Uh, sure. stuff that I'm not familiar with, but um, it, that would certainly help to learn. So <laughs> it, it is uh, sometimes when you, you know, this is a bird making a sound and you know, you're not going to get to see it. It's way in a thicket, way far away. You have no idea right. what it is. And, and it's, so I think it's pretty good. It's kind of cool. Another toy. We've got one more toy. <laughs> I saw your Connecticut warbler photo on Instagram. Uh, and I said, what, oh, you like Jason 2021 big year or something like that on, on Instagram. Yeah. So I decided to kind of, instead of doing like a blog or something, I made an Instagram page and yeah, the, the handle is at Jason 2021 big year. And um, I'm posting mainly just highlights as posts. And then um, I, put stories of oftentimes the scenery or some other cool birds and stuff. And it's all in the highlights there. So kind of yeah. nice collection of everything I've seen this year. And um, uh, you can follow along live as I go. So it's, it's nicely done. And I was impressed. I, you know, I've seen one Connecticut warbler in my life. It was at uh, Point Pelee. And uh, we were, uh, Ken and I were down on our hands and knees peering under this you know, vegetation. And I, I think we saw the whole bird. We saw the eye and then we saw the bill and then we saw the tail and then we saw part of the <laughs> wing and <laughs> we saw all the bird, but not all at once. Yeah. This one I was pretty fortunate with because I knew that was obviously one of my top targets from Saxon bog. And I checked, I think the night before and saw there was one that had been seen the last couple of days in the same exact spot. Mm. Oh, I was like, that's the first place I'm going to. And I showed up there and sure enough, it was singing away like crazy. Um, and it was a good like 10 meters or so off the road, just like in the thick of things. So you mm -hmm. couldn't see the road, but I was like, I'm going to just hop into the bushes there. And I, so I did. And there it was just perched up actually high in the tree. And yeah. I got, oh, yeah, I saw that pictures. Impressive. Yeah. Not every time you get a look like that at a bird that tough to see. Mm -hmm. So you've been birding quite a bit with your dad. Was your dad a birder before you started birding or did you drag him into it? So I dragged him into it. Um, I can kind of tell you the whole story. Yeah, how... tell me your birding story. Yeah. So it all started like 15 years ago. So I was like seven and uh, we were at my grandma's place in Connecticut and so actually my uh, two older brothers and my oldest brother. So he was like 13 at the time. He was, he was being a typical 13 year old and complaining about being bored. And my grandma, who was not a birder, but always appreciated looking at birds in her yard and whatnot, just said, Hey, come look at the birds and see how many you can find. And, the, and sure enough, he went and I think my grandma had some old field guide and he started counting them up and 
he kind of got into it. And after we went home, he continued starting to look for birds. And he ended up meeting some people who are also birders and totally dove into the whole birding scene. Meanwhile, I was still a young kid, but I was just kind of being a typical younger brother and following my brothers around. And sure, I started keeping a little life list as well. And he was teaching me stuff. And uh, eventually it kind of became a whole family ordeal. My other brother, who never really dove into the birding thing, but he always liked going on hikes and he likes photography as well. So he always was down to join us on trips and whatnot. And my dad was always somewhat outdoorsy and was into the whole birding thing as well as we were getting into it. So he was the one that we typically could convince to take us out places. And uh, he keeps a life list now and all that. And he's, he doesn't really go out birding by himself or anything, but he's always enjoys coming out with us. Um, and we did it pretty occasionally. So if we went on a family trip or whatnot, we might dedicate a day to go looking for birds. Mm -hmm. um, maybe once a month or so, we go on a day trip or occasionally go for a walk at a local park or whatnot. But it was always pretty, you know, pretty mild as far as our birding went for at least the early years. And then when I got my driver's license, so when I was about 16, I was, you know, all of a sudden I had all this freedom to do what I wanted to do. And I always, always enjoyed our birding trips the most. So I decided to start taking myself out on birding trips. And that's when everything really snowballed for me. And uh, over the last five or six years, it became much more of like a daily and lifestyle thing. Um, and my, my older brother, he doesn't really bird like he used to. He still watches birds in his backyard and whatnot. He kind of dove into other interests and whatnot but it's still we still go on family trips together and stuff so yeah that's how nice. my dad related at least but this year he wanted to try to come out with me as much as he could and he's been on a few of my trips and he's, in, he's seen a lot of birds this year as well so. i bet he's got a pretty good list himself this year yeah yeah very cool so did you when you growing up six, 16 that was uh, six years ago that was a pretty mm -hmm. good young birding group in Seattle around that time did you uh you know hook up with some of the other birders and get out as a as a you know in, in groups at all yeah a little bit I was part of the like Seattle Audubon young birding program mm -hmm. they had started getting smaller and smaller as I was going through high school but I definitely met a few friends through that and I still go birding with them today that was also pretty important as far as keeping my interest, at least through high school, I think having other people my age. Um, and there's also a, a number of very knowledgeable birders in the Seattle area. And anytime I got connected with them as well, we would always try to and learn from them and whatnot. So for sure. sounds like you had some good mentors, both, uh, uh, peers your own age and uh, mm -hmm. some older birders around. So very cool. Uh, you went to Alaska. Tell me about your Alaska part of the trip. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of debating if I wanted to do just a lower 48 big year or, or also include Alaska or whatnot. Um, but I really just always, have always wanted to go see Alaska, both for the experience as well as the birds. Um, so I decided to fit in a week there. Um, so we went just right at the start of June, I believe. Mm -hmm. And my dad and I first went to Nome which was absolutely incredible. And we were there for like three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, yeah, I've always heard of Nome, um, but I was, I was more impressed 
and uh, exceeded my expectations. Uh, I think a lot of people, for good reason, talk about the roads that lead out of there. For, the three roads, yeah. Yeah, and uh, birds like the willow and rock ptarmigans and bristlethigh curlew and my personal favorite of the whole trip, the blue throat. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some spectacular birds, but I was really impressed by the how good the birding was off the ocean and the shore birding and sea birding there. The dump in town, I mean, everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I spent a few days, I've been to Alaska just once, Scott, 1993, I think, when I was just really getting started in birding and same, Nome just blew me away. It was so cool. Such a cool place. And the fact that it was light 21 hours during the day yeah. was really unique experience. And yeah, like I said, blue throat, we, that was my top target coming into it. Cause I'd always wanted to see that. And we came across a bird that was singing and it was doing the whole skylarking display flight. Oh, wow. So beautiful and gorgeous song, gorgeous colors, really, really cool experience. Um, of course the scenery when you're out birding out there is amazing too. It's just like completely wild landscapes, mountains and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. So that was fantastic. And also found some great shorebirds and all four eider species, which I wasn't expecting. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. unexpected. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't think spectacled is common there at all. No, spectacled and stellars are both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. So I was, I was only expecting to see common eider and saw King as well. So. Yeah. I, I think I had one eider in on my trip to Nome. I don't think I had mm-hmm. any of those. So good for you. Good for you. That's great. Yeah, Where else in Alaska good. did you go? So then my dad and I flew from Nome to Anchorage and my middle brother came and joined us there. Mm-hmm. And we spent just like a day in Anchorage and then went down to Seward mm-hmm. um, and did a boat trip to the Kenai Fjords. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And that was really, really spectacular. Not even just for the birds. I mean, the birding wasn't too amazing on the boat. Uh, missed a couple targets, but still saw some some cool stuff like uh, horned and tufted puffins and red-faced cormorant, plenty of alcids, parakeet aquilet, ancient mm-hmm. merlet, marble merlets. Um, yeah. But the scenery was unbelievable. Oh, it the is water. unbelievable. We did that in part of our trip too. And I, the, the thing I remember most about that, besides it just being incredibly beautiful everywhere you looked, was that uh, you know we're all anxious to see a red-faced cormorant. Because the pelagic cormorants here, I was there on the summer solstice, right, right in June. And so the pelagic cormorants have bright red faces. I mean, they're- Yes. Yeah. And so it was, is that it? Is that it? Is that it? We're all, no, 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 no. And then, oh my goodness, that's what a red-faced cormorant looks like when you finally see it. It's like, oh, it's real. Really red. <laughs> yes. And my brother was trying to help me out. We were standing at the bow the whole time. And I told him it was going to look different. And every time we were seeing one, he's like, that one looked like it had a red face. I'm like, no, it wasn't it. And then, yeah, as soon as we saw one, it was pretty striking. Yeah. And then we also had just fantastic luck with mammals on that boat trip. We saw uh, orca whales and many humpback whales putting on a show and also a fin whale, which is really cool and a black bear. So it was a really, really great trip. Yeah, it sounds like it. Have you gotten around the ABA area outside Washington, California much before this big year? Or what what kind of uh, traveling birding had you done previously? Yeah, my, uh, let's see, most of the birding I had done was in Washington and California, uh, by far the most. But I had gotten around a little bit. Um, the Seattle Audubon Young Birding Group, when I was a freshman in high school, we did a week in South Texas. So I'd seen that before. 
and I did a couple of young birding camps um, in high school as well, the Colorado and Southeast Arizona. Oh, wow. Uh, and otherwise, just a couple small birding outings on family trips. I'd been to South Florida, but seen only a handful of the specialties down there. And then also we go out to uh, the east and in Connecticut to visit my grandma almost every sure. summer. Been out there a number of times, but certainly a lot of places in the country that I hadn't seen before and a lot of gaps in my bird list. So yeah, it's been really fantastic cleaning those Very up. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. So it sounds like you are having a, a year of a lifetime so far, at least. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Uh, have you had any uh, uh, birder experiences on, on the trip? You know, you've been going to some pretty popular birding spots. I'm sure you've seen a ton of birders. Any fun birder stories that you've had so far this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been to, yeah, a few of the, the big birding locations. I'd say probably one of the craziest was High Island, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and I went just right at the peak time when all the warblers are coming in off the Gulf of Mexico. And there were just dozens and dozens of birders all over the boardwalks and the trails there. And uh, it was a pretty wild scene, just seeing everybody freak out over certain warblers showing up. And um, it's not even, I was expecting it to be a little bit more like chill birding but it was pretty crazy like stuff would show up and disappear really quick so people were kind of hectically looking around and uh so that was a pretty exciting birding scene um but i also you know went to southeast arizona with a birding friend and we ran into so many birders and um it was really fun because a lot of other people were doing similar trips as you are, and especially in in places like Southeast Arizona, and we would bump into them in like various places, you know, two hours away and be like, oh my gosh, you you again. And um, yeah, so a couple of those things. Otherwise, I haven't seen too many people. (laughs) A lot of stuff by myself. (laughs) Birding by yourself a lot. Uh, So it sounds like you've had a nice combination of birding on your own and birding with friends and birding with family uh, and doing a big year all at the same time. So that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty nice. Absolutely. Pretty nice. So what do you see as your strategy going forward? Uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of time you have and budget you have and all of that. So what, what's, uh, what's the rest of the year lining up to look like for you? Yeah, I think my crazy road trip days are behind me now. Um, so I'm basically going to be stationed out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Th- stuff. This is all in flux and could change based on what shows up and how I'm feeling and whatnot. But um probably going to stay stationed in Seattle and I have a few various like flights trips already planned. Um, I have yet to do a pelagic this year. So I have three of those coming up. Good for Uh, you. One off of North Carolina in a couple weeks and then uh, one off Westport and one off San Diego as well. So you'll hit the the three major areas to do pelagics yes, so you'll exactly. add a lot of birds on those gosh you for not having any pelagic chat you've got a nice list going good for you yeah pretty excited I, i've never been off the north carolina pelagics before or san diego but i've been off west coast pelagics so sure but i'm certainly very excited for north carolina and um because that that'll be a whole chunk of species i've never seen before so will so will uh san diego i i have yeah. not been out of north carolina yet but i've been out of san diego a few times went to that there's a is it santa clara 
bird fest. There's a March bird festival down there. I can't remember what it's called uh, that they do a pelagic out of. And I, I, my in-laws uh, live in Southern California. So I would break away and go on, go on the pelagic on that a few times. And I did that five day searcher trip in the fall. Oh, wow. oh, if you ever get a chance to do that. Oh my goodness. It is, it is trip of a lifetime for pelagic birding. It's so cool. Uh, but anyway, aside, you'll get, you'll get a bunch of birds down there. Maybe eight or 10 new birds. I'm yeah, we'll see. yeah. Unfortunately, I, I hate boats. I do. I get very seasick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I'm a little bit you're, dreading those, but also excited. You're being uh, selective. You're being selective. Yeah, well, exactly. the one, the one in San Diego can be flat, calm, not a bump of the water. It can also be like up here, but it can be pretty, <laughs> pretty calm. Uh, so you might uh, be surprised. And I've heard that the Atlantic trips can be flat, calm too. So yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. maybe you'll hit hit good birds and flat water on both of those trips. That would be nice. Yeah, um, San Diego has a decent chance for some unusual species as well. Sure. Uh, least storm petrel and Creveri's murrelet, and who knows what else can show up there. Sometimes they get some cool stuff. So I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, yeah. You'll get blacks. It blacks down petrol and is at least a little least, I think. Least, uh, yeah. You'll have a good chance at both of those. Mm-hmm. And you might even have a chance at this new one, the Townsend's. Right. Yeah. Townsend's. I don't know how I don't know how far out or far south they get on that trip, but it's you know, I don't know either. <laughs> outside. I saw that on that searcher trip, but I didn't see it on any of the others. But I don't think it was even a species when I went on the other trips yet. So it just got split in the recent years. Cool. Yeah, very cool. So uh, you're going to wrap up this big year at the end of the year. What do you see going forward? Are you going to be looking for work or looking for school or try to figure it out? Yeah, uh, the plan for now is to kind of settle down and uh, look look for work and probably try to stay in the general Seattle area, at least for the near future. Um, after that, I'd, I'd like to uh, explore internationally a lot more. Um, I've dabbled in the international birding scene, but I definitely would love to do more of that and maybe spend some extended time abroad. Um, but at least for after this year, I'll, I'll probably try to get a job in Seattle. What is your education? What kind of work are you looking for? Yeah, I was a finance major. So, uh, something business related. So you'll, you'll, you'll be not looking for those two or three select poor paying, uh, field birding jobs. Yeah, that was- <laughs> and not have to do with that yeah Yeah. good for you good for you (laughs) i try to make sure i give my guests a chance to let let uh listeners know how they can reach out to you if somebody wanted to get a hold of you what's the best way yeah you can just email me or contact me through that instagram or i'm on facebook as well Um, my email is jason.basalo at outlook.com um, and like I said earlier, the Instagram is at Jason 2021 big year. Perfect. Well, mm-hmm. it sounds like, uh, you are having a great year. I'll continue to follow you on Instagram. Have you, I'm going to one more birding thing. Have you had any really disappointing misses so far? Things you wanted for, you know, kind of a, a lifer or a great bird for the year list so far that you just thought you had in the bag and you just missed. Yeah, you know, I have a few, um, remarkably on my road trips, I have come away with pretty much zero misses, which blows my mind. Uh, considering I'd probably like 600 of the species I've seen this year from those road trips. Um, mm-hmm. somehow I missed nothing. Uh, so that, that was pretty amazing. But on the few flights I've done, 
Um, in Saxon Bog, we missed Northern Hawk Owl, which okay. I've seen before, but was always love to see that bird. Such an amazing bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I don't think I'm going to have a chance to see that again. And so that, that was a little bit of a bummer miss. Um, also, I think I've tried three times now for spruce grouse and Ugh. still have not nailed one. They are uh, tough. Yeah, they're tough, but I definitely can still get that in Washington. Yeah. But the year's coming up in the best time of year. The fall is the best time yes. for them in Washington. So you've got Whatever. a good, if, if you can spend two or three days over, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to round one up probably. Yeah, I believe so. Last year um, in September uh, with a couple friends, I, I guess it was maybe October 1st and uh, went with a couple friends and we did a trip to go see spruce grouse um, just kind of outside of Yakima. Mm-hmm. And we saw one of those. And then after that went and owled at sunrise Mount Rainier and saw mm-hmm. Boreal. Oh, you saw uh, Boreal. Both nice. of those here hoping to do a repeat trip and trying to muster up my friends to go do that again. Cause it was such an amazing yeah. experience. Well, you need to round them up, mm-hmm. round them up. If you can't, uh, can't find any other friends looking for the Tacoma area, though, people, people here would love to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a great time of year to be over there. That's also the you know vagrant time of year, which you don't need for your ABA list because you saw them all in the east and in Texas and in Florida, but <laughs> some good Washington birds. Uh, yeah, I'm really hoping to do a lot of birding in Washington throughout the year as well. And been just praying that Nia Bay opens up. Oh, uh, yeah. But that is my favorite place to bird. Isn't that a great place? Isn't that a great place? But I don't, I'm not looking. I, I think it's going to be out next year sometime. I'll, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I know right now they say potentially October 1st, but yeah. holding out hope because that would be yeah. a really fun. That, that's about the right time. If, uh, if it opens up for the really good yeah. stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. Nia Bay. We've all been mourning Nia Bay for 18 months now. Yes. And, uh, but at least we have some other decent coastal birding spots and for sure. Uh, I'll probably from, be in there yeah. a lot. <laughs> For listeners who don't know, Nia Bay, if you look at a map of Washington and you go to the West Coast and you follow the coast all the way up to Canada, there's a Strait of Juan de Fuca that goes between Canada and the U.S. off the West Coast. And right on the point, uh, right at that northwestmost point of the Olympic Peninsula is Nia Bay. And uh, it seems to be a place where birds from all directions seem to fall out, uh, f- fall out. Collector, whatever you want to call it, show up there, uh, especially in the late fall. Uh, so it can be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, a good spot to even find birds that are rare for anywhere in America. So. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us have our Eurasian hobby there. <laughs> yep, including me. Yep. <laughs> well, you, you might have been there the same day I was. The, the day I was there, were 108 birders lined up on that one road outside of town <laughs> watching I, I, that. I, I, <laughs> well, I think it was a Saturday watching that hobby. Yep. 108 yep. birders, just crazy. It looked like, you know, sometimes when you go to Rarity, there'd be five or seven scopes lined up. There were like 90 scopes lined up on this bird. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember the madness of when it was first spotted. And I think it was something like half of the people were on a different road. And it, mm-hmm. I was on there too. And just the madness of everyone running over to the other road. It was quite the scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, that's one of those memories. Uh, uh, the the good and the ugly of birding right there. <laughs> yep. Good. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Before you go, what's your number right now? How many ABA birds this year? Uh, this year, I'm at, so far, I just added a couple yesterday, actually, and now I'm up to 669. Very cool. 
Good for mm-hmm. you. That's really spectacular. Uh, and uh, how many lifers this year? Do you know that? I don't know. I, I started this year, I think my ABA list or ABA continental list or whatever was uh, in the low 600s when I started the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was like 615 or something. And so I've already seen more than that. Uh, and I think I'm something something like 715 now. I think about 100 lifers. Give or take 100 lifers. That's a pretty yeah. good year. Most people would take that for maybe yeah. a year. <laughs> pretty spectacular, <laughs> Jason. Yeah, pretty nice. Well, thanks for being on the show with me, Jason. I really appreciate it. And uh, you have a great rest of the year. Appreciate it. It was great talking to you. And I'm sure I'll run into you at the next big rarity in Washington here. I hope we do. Take care now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thanks for listening to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode 109 with Jason Vassallo. I hope you were half as jealous as I am about some of the places Jason's got to go to this year and enjoyed hearing about them. I cannot wait to go to the Sax Sam Bog. It's one of those places I've always thought about going. It just seems so cold in the winter and kind of an obscure place to go, but sounds like a destination I'll have to get in my sights one of these winters and maybe even one of these breeding seasons to see some of those breeding boreal species. Sounds like a great place to go. Anyway, I hope that maybe you get to dream a little bit as I do when I do these episodes when you get to listen. So thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day. <laughs>